Uh, yo, TC, what time is it? Uh, I think it's time for a makeover. TC. And welcome to Movie Makeover, the podcast where we take the movies you love, think you love, guilty pleasures, or just downright hate, and give them a much-needed update. Every episode, we'll review the good, the bad, and ultimately the makeover, where we pitch our changes for the film or cast our own reboots. Uh, this week's movie is 1994's Dumb and Dumber, written by, written and directed by the Farley Brothers, uh, starring Jim Carrey, Jeff Daniels, and Lauren Holly. And we also have a guest with us. Yes, we do have a guest. Uh, introduce yourself. Hey, guys. My name is Kenny Praywatt, and I'm here to chat about Dumb and Dumber. All right. Yes. <laughs> so how we like to do this, Kenny, is we like to uh, tell people you cho- you chose Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Uh, so kind of explain people what your first impressions were of the movie. Your like personal your history yeah, of yeah. the film. <laughs> I saw the movie when I was a kid, went right after <laughs> it came out on VHS, and uh, I was able to rent it at a Hollywood video uh, yeah. in my town. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I had the VHS and saw it. And I just remember watching it with um, just a childhood friend at the time and just dying, just rolling on the floor. And just couldn't believe the things that I was hearing <laughs> and seeing. Because you can imagine, uh, I mean, at the time I would have been 10 years old. Yeah. So for a 10-year-old boy, that's just the most insane humor that you can think of, I think, uh, Dumb and Dumber, because it's just so, um, uh, it's kind of unfiltered. The guys that, the main characters are unfiltered. Like, you you see all their thought process. They don't hold anything back. Absolutely. That's a really good way of looking at it. I didn't even consider the fact that, like, it's that unfilteredness. I definitely was like, this movie, I remember when it came out, and there were just even bits. I was like, that's where I get that from. Like, I say, I like it a lot. Like, all the time. And I just didn't even remember where I got it from until I watched this movie again. Uh, TZ, what were your first impressions? Um, You know, I remember... I mean, this was a time period. I, I just to give us a little bit of history. I think Jim Carrey had three movies that came out this year. He did. He yeah. had Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber all come out. And if you're a child in the '90s in 1994, like he was such like a living cartoon character. Yeah. And in a way that's different from the way Robin Williams was. Yes. He was more faces. He was more, um, I think, specific for young boys um, in his humor and. I just, every movie that he came out with was the one that the, on the playground the next day you were quoting with your friends. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like this one was probably a little bit more adult for me at the time. Like, I remember Ace Ventura and The Mask a little bit better. But Dumb and Dumber had always been considered just, just like, a, a great comedy. So when it came time to do this podcast and Siege <laughs> was like, you guys want to do Dumb and Dumber? What's so good about this movie? I'm like... Yeah, like, let's talk about this, because what's your history with this movie that you don't have the same fondness? So, a few things that are I think are really important. As you said, three movies came out that year. Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber, and The Mask. And I feel like you, like, gravitated toward one, or, like, like one was, like, the one where you're like, this is, like, my comedy. And for me, that was The Mask. Like, The Mask came out, and I was like, Jim Carrey's a genius. I love everything about it. Yeah. Like, that's one where I'm like... I would have very, I would have a hard time finding issues with it because I feel like it was just my type of humor and everything worked. And maybe it was just because like he was a cartoon and I was like a really big cartoon kid that it just like it translated to me better. But when I watched Dumb and Dumber, a I didn't watch it until later. Um, 
And I, I personally don't, I don't like bathroom humor. So like a lot of the scenes that I was like, oh, okay, we get it. You're farting or we get it. He was <laughs> in the restroom. I was like, you know, that just, that didn't vibe for me. But when I watched it this time, I was like, I, I just think that I, it recorded in my mind negatively because of like, oh, it's bathroom humor. It's crude or like anything like that. I want comedy. I want, you know, it's like, a, I want uh, jokes. And this time I watched it and I was like, you know what? It's definitely changed in my mind, so I'm also really, really excited. To well, one thing I, I will say that I walked away from with this, like, even this last viewing, which I've, I've seen this movie a few times in the last few years, but this specifically, I was really paying attention to it. The humor is dumb in a smart way, and I think that's what distinguishes this movie from some of the other, like, just even the sequel prequel of this movie was that the humor is so smart in the sense that you have to be smart to be able to play dumb in that scenario so like when they're like when he like <laughs> uh, for example in the hot tub and it's like oh yeah she broke up with me she wrote me a john deere letter yeah, like, yeah. you have to know <laughs> that a dear john letter is to be able to play that kind and, of stuff and, that, and i definitely i wrote down a lot of quotes in this one because i was like I, as again i was like oh this is where i got this joke from or this is this joke is funny it's just, I think it was, like, drowned out in my mind by, like, yeah. the stupidity that surrounds it. Um, so, uh, give us a critic's reception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So, um, every week I just try to talk about, uh, you know, how the movie was received at the time and some facts about it. So, uh, like, uh, <laughs> this movie, for example, had a budget of $17 million and it had a box office of $247 million. So really? Massive success. <laughs> really? That's huge. And also, like, I don't know if you mentioned this, it was a Christmas movie. Like, it came out in December. I didn't um, know that. Like, December 20th or something like that. So, like, it really took advantage of all those kids who were off from school. Yeah. Um, but obviously, it just has a legacy that lived on for it to gross that much. Um, it has a IMDb rating of 7.3 out of 10, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 67%, and Roger Ebert gave it 2 out of 4. And his reasoning for that was that he wasn't a big Jim Carrey fan, but he felt that that uh, both of the actors really gave good performances despite him uh, them being in what he called a silly movie. Yeah, so it's really, first of all, we, uh, Kitty, so you know, <laughs> Roger Ebert is one, like, we're always interested to see what he says, because he's just a wild card yeah. at this point in There's time. sometimes where he loves a movie that's terrible, and vice <laughs> like, versa, why? and yeah. <laughs> it's just really interesting. Well, what I found is, I, I feel the same way about Roger Ebert, but as he got older, he got cancer, and Did if you, you see... summon me? And in in his later writings, he softened his approach towards movies because of that very reason. He's like, you know what? Life is short, and I'm just going to enjoy the movie for what it is and not be such a harsh critic. And so I think if he would have saw that movie later in his life, he might have given that, it that's three a great, and a half out of five. Honestly, I, and I think because, uh, again, even as I was getting into it, I was just kind of like, I, I think I misjudged this movie a little bit. I still don't love it, and we're going to get into that. But I, I was like, I think I definitely came into this with like some preconceived notions about just the type of humor that it brought to the table. 
that I was like, oh, I'm not going to enjoy this as much. And, as and when I was watching it, I kept asking the question, what makes this movie live on in the way that other similar movies have not? Definitely. Even like compared to like something like Tommy Boy, which is still considered a classic road trip movie, very similar to this one about two guys on the road getting into funny scenarios. This movie is still, I, I don't know, has a, a bigger following. And like, so the question was why? And I think it has a lot to do with how Jim um, and Jeff Daniels approach these characters. Okay, so before we do that, let's get into the summary. Um, so Lloyd and Harry are two lovable, friendly idiots, basically, who struggle with every aspect of life. Harry, played by Jeff Daniels, is an animal lover who dreams of owning his own worm farm, uh, working as a limo driver. Lloyd, played by Jim Carrey, drops off Mary Swanson, played by Lauren Holly, uh, at the airport and instantly falls in love with her. Can I just say something? Yeah. Did you notice that the movie starts with both of them driving? Like, the whole movie is them on the road. Yeah, it's a road trip cars. movie. It's a road trip movie. They start on the, From on the road start to, to finish, finish them walking That's on the road. That's actually really... Yeah. Interesting. I'm like, there are lots of little things in there that I was like, again, it's kind of the movie. It's weird to me because it's like you hit points that I like in storytelling, but I didn't like it. <laughs> so, yeah, um, so anyway, uh, Mary Swanson is dropped off at the airport and instantly he falls in love. Watching Mary board her flight, Lloyd witnesses her leave a suitcase behind. Uh, he grabs the suitcase, tries to catch her, but it's too late, and it's... He runs through a pre-9-11 airport. Oh, yeah, which I... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can only do that pre-9-11. First of all, she leaves a suitcase. That alone. Like, yeah, like, yeah, leaving yeah. a suitcase in the middle of an airport and just walking away yeah. could not be done. I was like, pre-9-11 movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and he... Not only does he go past security, he gets into the jetway yeah. and falls <laughs> off of it. And just goes home and after no that. one no one stops him they're just like okay yeah, yeah, like, oh. resist. I didn't have to answer a long series of questions <laughs> afterwards yeah he literally like, just leaves the airport by the way after having an accident at the airport yep. it's it's insane but um, so basically we're definitely going to talk about the amount of unaccounted for crimes that were committed <laughs> oh, yeah yeah but it wasn't a crime back then. That's Murder a, is. That, that's a crime, yeah. We're going to get there. Um, so, yeah. Lloyd, basically, Lloyd decides, uh, inspired by Harry, decides to return the suitcase, go to Aspen, and um, to deliver the case personally. However, Mary isn't the only person after the suitcase. Turns out there are a crime pair who are holding her husband hostage, and the suitcase was supposed to be ransom money. Mm -hmm. So from there, hijinks ensue, cross-country road trip, you know, and and, and that's basically our summary. All right, just jumping into this movie, I want to ask both of you, um, and we'll start with Kenny, like, their approach to playing dumb... I feel like they could have approached this in so many different ways. And yes. I felt like I walked away with going that they played it dim-witted. They yes. weren't dumb. They didn't have a mental handicap of any sorts. Like, it wasn't over the top. It was just, I like, throughout the entire movie, I was like, Jeff Daniels feels like a golden retriever that came to life. Like, And he looks like one. Yeah, he's just, he has this huge grit. And there's just something so innocent about their approach. And I just wanted to know what you guys thought of how they played dumb in this movie. That's what I wrote, because I like... 
I I wrote down, I was like, what version of dumb does this movie want us to take them for? Because I was like, they're like it's called Dumb and Dumber. And I uh, I even read something later that I'll wait for Kenny to give his answer before I respond. But it's like, uh, it's called Dumb and Dumber. And you watch it and it's like, I don't think they're dumb. They're just naive or yeah. they're like socially inept. And it's like, that's, that's not dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I think they just have a childlike point of view, whereas everybody else in the movie has a very stern adult point of view. Everybody else is an extreme straight character. And I will also say, like, for me, one of the things I wrote down is, like, dumb luck is, like, a huge part. There were plenty, and I I think that's intentional. But no, but what I'm saying is, like, I, and I like, see, we're gonna get into that, because I like that. Yeah. Like, the dumb luck approach to it is something that I found very entertaining. I was like, see, I can watch a movie of this. If they force Gump their way through this, that's what I, I, I would wrote be a note. in love. <laughs> I wrote a note that was like, this is basically, they're basically Mr. Magooing themselves <laughs> in and out of these situations where they're leaving crimes unsolved, <laughs> they're leaving a body behind, like yeah. all these things, but like because of dumb luck, which I think you're right, is a character in the movie. It's the third yeah. like part of their team is this <laughs> dumb luck that helps them get by regardless of all these circumstances they walk into. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kenny, thoughts? Yeah, that's true. I, I, I totally forgot I, until this point that you mentioned it, that they accidentally, but still, poison a man to death <laughs> with rat poison. Yeah. And they're just like, well... Yeah, (laughs) no one does anything. So I will say that part of my good is that there is a table, not even a table, but like half of a restaurant full of black people, right like arm flings away, and they're like, "I'm not getting involved at all." (laughs) And I was like, "You know what? Realism. I'm in for it." (laughs) All right. So this is the part where we talk about our good kitty, um, and we pick up things that we liked about the movie. I feel like this is going to be a a large part for you guys, uh, but I'll start off by saying um, I liked the fact that in the movie, one of the good things about this is that it was the trip is actually motivated by loneliness. And about self-worth more than anything. Mm-hmm. I remembered it being about him. And I think even people talk about him tracking down Mary Swanson and that being like the motivating force. But that's not what convinces Harry to go with him. I actually have the quote that Jim yeah. Carrey says yeah. where he says, um, I'm sick and tired of being a nobody and having nobody. Like these characters have a three-dimensional like a desire to fulfill that like is is so much deeper than the stupidity they play throughout the film to the point where like once you understand that like these are people who feel like they have nothing and that they are nothing and they just want something to feel important you're kind of okay with whatever they decide to do after that because you're like i want you to feel that feeling yeah it's basically an old improv or sketch adage is to get ground your character yeah. They can do anything they want, but what is the specific reason behind it? Yeah. And if they didn't have that sort of reason, it would have probably been too over the top. Like, these are just wild characters for the sake of being wild, but they are grounded. They're real people who have feelings. Yeah, and no, honestly, like, I agree with you because that was that one scene made me, like, turn off my defense. Like, I was, like, watching that person like idiots doing idiot things for idiot reasons. And then there's that moment where, again, I, in my mind, I remembered him tracking down uh, Mary. And I was like, oh, and now we're going to go chase her. And when he says what TC, the quote that TC brought out, I was like, oh, 
he's not going for her. Like, they're literally just tired of his life. And they're yeah. tired. You know, it's like they want something more. And I was yeah. like, I can get behind that. I'm like, I'm with you for there. And as you said, I just like almost anything else I was forgiving for because I started to see the humanity in, in these characters. Yeah. And they also had nothing to lose. Yeah. <laughs> they both. Literally. Because <laughs> uh, the Jeff Daniels character had lost his job. They essentially both, 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 they both yeah. got fired. This is such a classic, like, um, movie. Like, I, I think about, like, Stripes or, like, some of these other movies where, like, the main character loses everything in one day and they're like, well, there's nothing left for me. I might as well take this. But I don't necessarily hate that trope either. Like, yeah. I feel like it's a very realistic thing to where, like, when you lose everything that has been your reality, like, you have no choice but to venture outside of that. Well, I also say that, like, most people don't move or they don't do that shift because of the things that tie them, you know, such as a job or a loved one or anything like that. And a lot of journeys are sparked by the loss of that one anchor point. And like, they both had this job and that they both had jobs. And the fact that they both were without jobs at the exact same time, they didn't have any money. There was like really no reason to stay. They were like, yeah, why not? Why not do this? And, and, aspire for something different. Now, again, for me, I'm like, all right, that is motivation. Let, let's go on this journey. I, I have to say I'm, I'm smiling just because I sense that there are a lot of – like there's a lot of deepness in this movie that's kind of low-key. Like yeah. the whole idea of just like – it's kind of like everyday Americans. Like you feel like you're dumb and you're making mistakes all the time. You feel like you're not getting anywhere. You feel like you're living in a place that kind of sucks. And then like you find something that's like I, I, I want – this and you actually go after it yeah like it doesn't really matter what else is going on like i feel like that's such a universal thing that we can all root for um so yeah like you said like grounding those characters really helps us to the point where they give a blind kid a dead bird and you're just like <laughs> sweethearts yeah so so i'm not that's in my bad but we're gonna we're gonna come back to that um also just talking about and grounding them their friendship is another really big positive for me because i was like they're not two idiots for the sake of being idiots, and they're not, like, two idiots put in a room for the sake of being, you know, them against the world. They have a friendship. They have inside jokes. They Like, you can tell that there is a history there. They legit love each other. They legit love each other. And then when, like, they betray each other, like, you kind of see the... That's where, like, the heart of the film is. You're just like, fuck, fuck Mary. Like, fuck, like this relationship, the, the relationship that they have with each other is the one that lasts and it's there from beginning to end and I think that it's really interesting when you consider where the 90s set with like male intimacy in general Mm. even like this movie there are times where like you know uh, right after that confession um, Lloyd is crying and he's being held by Harry and they're just like oh it's it's going on a little too long and so like they separate yeah. but you could also tell like when they're in the hot tub they don't they don't have those personal boundaries yeah. themselves they just understand that society expects them to do certain things even after like um, you know Lloyd's talking about I'm sick of being a nobody having nobody they have this really intimate hug and they're like crying with each other like they're not afraid to express yeah. emotions um, and things that would be deemed emasculate at the time. Yeah. Um, which I thought was really Yeah, funny. it reminded me of that scene in Dude, Where's My Car where with Fabio oh, when yeah. uh, the two of them kiss just to kind of one-up them and you're like, oh, they're not making out for because it's like 
anything other than we don't have a problem with it. And we completely like you try to one up us, and our friendship is close enough that we feel like we could one up you, yeah, just as well. Um, I, I have again, I have single points that I think are good. Can you guys think this whole? Can we talk about yet? favorite quotes? Does anyone have quotes? <laughs> my, my favorite quote is when they make their first stop at a diner and they throw the salt over their shoulder and it hits Seabass. Uh, bass. And my favorite quote is one of his cronies when he stands up to walk over them and goes, kick his ass, Seabass. <laughs> As a kid, I never heard those two things rhyme together. <laughs> ass and Seabass. <laughs> you know what's so funny about you saying that? For whatever reason, I have found that that is a quote that people will say. And like yeah. I've heard someone yell, kick his ass, Seabass, more than once. Wow. And I was just like, of all the quotes, for whatever reason, that yeah. one does tend to stick out. Um, I love... Uh, uh, pull over, pull over. No, it's a cardigan. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, wrote, I wrote that down. Because again, that's my kind of humor. Yeah, yeah. Um, the idea, there was one where it was like, he goes, two of them, there's two of them, and one of them has a gun. And he goes, did you pay the gas bill? And like, like yeah. for some reason, like that that kind of stupidity yeah, yeah. totally made me be like, this is so dumb, but I love that they think that not paying the gas bill comes to this kind of state. And well, again, they're like, like, <laughs> yeah, they're just like, well, that's the way it is. I mean, if you don't pay it, who knows what could happen. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, like, the fact, I wrote down that the movie also, it moves because of the assumptions of others. Yeah. Like, it definitely is. We talked about dumb luck or all this other stuff. The idea that you know, they leave a note for the gas man, yep. literally meaning gas man, and they're like, and um, I forgot his name, the the henchman or whatever. Yeah, he's yeah. like, how do they know about my my uh, my gas? And you're just like, yeah. no, that's not it at all. Yeah. But like, they just because of those assumptions, the plot moves forward. So many people assume that they did things purposely or they yeah. have intent when they don't, and and. Uh, other things is like when they do have intent. It, again, it's what the assumption is: oh, they're harmless, and you're like, no, these people are loose cannons, and we should yeah. probably be <laughs> watching them a lot more. Going to the airport, flying somewhere, <laughs> somewhere warm like Aspen. Um, the monkeys, huge influence on the Beatles. Oh my! Fa- What's the soup du jour? It's the soup of the day. That sounds good. I'll have that. Yeah, yeah. Like, just the dumbest shit. Yeah. I, I, and then, as always, as I said, when I watch this, for the the one thing that I have in this movie that I use all the time is Samsonite. I was way off, yeah. and like I don't know why, but I will just say that all the time. And there are very quotable moments. So you're telling me there's a chance is like also yeah. one that to this day I will use. Who is the actor that uh, when like the the tough henchman or whatever he's in the phone booth? That guy who knocks uh, on the yes. he is in everything. I've he, seen him a lot of times. Wasn't he? He was in Friends. He was in a bunch yeah, of like sitcoms. Of he plays that. It's funny because this was the first time I've ever seen him play like a tough, like an like a tough guy, but like in an unironic way. Yeah. Because usually he's like the wimpy guy who like tries to be tough, and this one it was just like he just felt like an average businessman. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I really would love to find that actor's name because he is great in everything, and he is he like for him to have like that three second part in this film, but just like to just. 
like ham it up so much um, to the point where like, yeah, kind of punch him in the face. Like, yeah. of course, um, I just thought he did a, a really great performance. And I actually thought that Mary gave a great performance yeah. too. Like you have to give like such a restraint performance around someone like a, a Jim Carrey or a Robin Williams, like it's to allow hard. them. It's hard. That makeout scene during the dream sequence when this, like him forcing yes. the tongue and she's just like, I'm here. Like I'm with you. Like, yeah. let's do this as an actor. Like, I just thought that was really His impressive. His name is Fred Stoller. Fred Stoller. Fred Stoller does it really, really well. Uh, and you're right. I will. I'll say that Mary, she she plays the straight character with both of them yeah. really well. Um, because there are moments. You're right. Like during that kissing, it was like she is being engulfed. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you just have to like sit there and like kind of take it. But she she like jumps right back in as if it's a romantic moment because yeah. it's a dream sequence. So yeah. Well, I think it also this is probably a great time to mention that those two actors ended up getting married after this yes, movie. So there was clearly a comfortability there yeah. while filming that. I didn't movie. know. That they yeah, got they had a short marriage, but yeah, both Jim Carrey and the actors who played Mary. Um, huh. uh, one other actor that I want to bring up mm-hmm. is the female henchman, just because, I don't know if you know this, her name's Karen Duffy. Um, she she plays the hot older woman in Blank Check, which is and one of my loves, favorite oh, movies. Yeah. He loves Blank Check so the, much. The hot older woman who goes on a date with a child in that movie. Who commits, her name is also Shay. Yeah, who commits Shay. check fraud. <laughs> I love that movie. Um, she, she was in that as well, so I just had to... Some of the other things that I like, I really enjoyed about this was like, um, again, it wasn't like I think when I thought of this movie, I wrote it off as completely childish. But like when, for example, when he's looking at her breasts or she's supposed to get undressed, and they're like actual headlights, yeah. I was like, oh, actually, that's like a a funny and respectable way of shooting that scene. Yeah. Because I feel like any other director, we would have saw her breasts. Yeah, and saw, like, him Googling eyes over him or something like that. Exactly. So, like, the idea that, like, they just made him straight up headlights and then, you know, it tied into the fact that he was driving. I was like, this movie does really smart things that I really... I really enjoy. Um, also, it's surprisingly diverse. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's one of those movies where the 90s is not known for its diversity and it's casting. white with an H. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And this movie does really well. Even one of the love interests is a woman of color. Yeah. And it's not, like, made a very big deal. Well, I also love that I was like, oh, yeah, the white guy's hitchhiking, he gets picked up. But no, this Mexican immigrant family gets picked up, too. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. C-ing-C-bird, <laughs> C. Which is crazy because if that, if that scene were in a movie today, people would be up in arms because it would be seen as... Political, yeah. Political. It's, yeah. like, socially taboo because it actually isn't. Yeah, a problem. People being smuggled or yeah. kidnapped or yeah, yeah, yeah. put in cages. Like, <laughs> and if you were to see that scene now, people would be like, uh, "You're right." Yeah. Like, even when when I saw it, I was like, "How do I feel about this?" It's like, <laughs> and I, I like for half of a second, I was like, "Um," but I was like, "No, honestly, given the time and given like the, yeah. again for me, it's always like, is the joke that they're Mexican?" And it's like, "No, yeah. that's not that's the joke. not <laughs> the joke." And, and in the same way, when Seabass turns out to be a closet the homosexual, which I was, I had a lot of thoughts on, but keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought like when they first threw that salt at him, and he's like ready to throw down over, I'm like, wow, this guy's really touchy. And then it comes out that he's been like apparently concealing, manly loving, and yeah. I was like, it, so it's funny because I was expecting, I was expecting it to be like a transgender individual. Sure, you know, it's like it's yeah. like this is. 
first of all, this is Jim Carrey. And then second of all, this is like at a time where that punchline would have been work. It would have been fun. You know, that, no one would have so the fact that it was sea bass. I was very much like, huh, that was not what I expected. And it's like, it made sea bass both sympathetic, but then he actually does try to rape Lloyd. And you're like, okay. <laughs> That's what I mean. There's some crazy <laughs> moments where dumb luck gets him out of focus. <laughs> forces uh, Lloyd's head down and Lloyd's just like dumb luck gets them out of murder and rape what is this movie (laughs) (laughs) like it's crazy the shit that happens I completely forgot there's almost a rape scene in this movie (laughs) Uh, like there's so much as a kid you watch that as a kid I literally thought that he was just trying to give him a swirly Because he's pushing his head, because they're in the yeah. stall, and, and, and he's pushing his head down out of frame. I'm like, oh, he's giving. I bet that was shot intentionally. <laughs> no, 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 no. Honestly, I, I like what you said because there are plenty of things where I watch now where I'm like, oh, I didn't get that as a kid because it's just like you have to have adult context, and I think that it's shot in a way that, as you said, a ten year old would have no idea what's yeah. going on, and you know, like Lloyd doesn't even not Lloyd, uh, Seabass. We don't even see him, like, unzip his pants or anything no, like that. It's not. just, like, it's implied again that he's pushing his head down. And as an adult, I know what that's supposed to mean. Yeah. But they they toe that line perfectly. So, I mean, again, I'm, 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 I'm coming around to, like, they did things tastefully in, in a way. Um, I also love, like, the idea of, like, I felt like all of the vignettes felt like they came from Lloyd's mind. You know what I mean? Like, all the the daydreams and stuff like that, they felt real to the character. Sometimes they'll have, like, movies will have, um, like, a daydream or a vignette or something, and you're like, where did that come from? Like, it doesn't fit the character. It doesn't fit the story. I felt like you just wanted to do that. And and a lot of times it feels like a lazy way to give us, like, the desires of a character. Just like, oh, well, let's show what their dreams are. Exactly. Um, But I just, like, I I felt like it was really organic in, in this. And also it's like, you're on a road, you're driving, like your mind's drifting off. Like it makes sense for that to happen, even if you're driving in the wrong direction. Yeah. <laughs> when he's when he's fighting, or like, you know, there's that dream sequence where he's like, he's fighting the chef or whatever. And <laughs> every move he makes, again, I'm watching it. I'm like, I believe Lloyd, like, is it Jim Carrey being funny and like doing Jim Carrey? Yes. But I believe that Lloyd thinks of himself as a good fighter yeah. and thinks that, this, the, you know, he's that delusional type of individual who's just like, oh yeah, if I got in this position, I'd totally yeah. kill it. And you're like, nah, dude. But like, that's, again... It's that's almost the- like they're just like, they're too dumb to know that they can't do something. And I feel like, <laughs> like, that's oh, yeah. that's like when they go into the to the gala and they're like, walked into, like, with the suits and everything. Like, yeah. they're too dumb to realize that, like, they're making a fool on themselves. So much so that other people assume, like, oh, clearly they're mocking. It's the same reaction Tom Hanks gets in big of just like oh you're making fun of all of this like we get it like this is so stuffy I I wrote it as the rich are seen as eccentric and yeah. when they come in with the car and the money, and the yeah. money yeah. every like even at the dinner, people just assume that they're eccentric. And it it to me is it's like I don't think this was intentional, but it is a commentary on how 
dumb and eccentric is just a matter of pay. You know, it's just like yeah. a, if you have money, everything you've done is just tolerated because they're like, oh, that's them. You know, like they came in with the orange yeah. and blue suits and everyone's just like, oh, these guys are purposely sticking out. They're making a statement. And like, nah, they just, they're dumb and they really think that they're blending in. And so, yeah, that's just how they think rich people act. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like a step below how they, like a live action Monopoly man. Like, it's, it's so cartoony, but you know, it's it's they pull it off. Um, my question was Mary trying to fuck Jeff Daniels? Yeah, yeah, definitely. She is. Was she not married to the guy that was kidnapped? Yeah, so yes. I had a lot of interesting <laughs> things about this because even like her stepmom is like, You gotta move on, you gotta get out yeah. there. And you're like, She's wait. trying to set him up. And the cat, the entire time, they didn't tell us, it, they did not tell us at the time who was held captive. Yeah, but I was like. I feel like it's a significant other. I don't know for sure, but I feel like it is. And if so, this scene is really messed up. (laughs) And so, yeah. Because it seems as though, like, when they have, like, their date, which she goes on the date with another guy while her husband's being kidnapped, whatever, um, she she's charmed by him. Like, they have that fighting that turns into laughing scene, which I'm a little comfortable with. Again, well, for me, it was one of those things where it's like, because people she looks at him and it's that whole moment where she's like oh you have to be kidding that's really funny and you're like no that dude was like legit (laughs) and he was dangerous for like five (laughs) seconds and all I can think that's in my bad and which we'll get into but like just the thing that women have to go to where it's like you have to be like he has to be kidding or otherwise I'm in danger so she chooses to believe that he's kidding but why go go on a date why like have like seemingly feelings for this man like why show all of that while it just complicates the story because that's what her mom told her to do they're trying to hide the fact (laughs) that her husband who I guess is high profile is being held for ransom and so there's that scene she's like you have to go out and have fun with people and pretend like nothing's wrong. I guess nothing would make me ask questions as to where someone's husband is than when I'm seeing her out with another man. <laughs> but you're not rich, so maybe like, maybe it was like, have an affair! You know, like, do all the normal things. It's Aspen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also, there are two things. I love the IOUs. I thought yeah. that was really good. 250000 <laughs> Yeah. I want to hold on to that one. I want to hold on to that one. Yeah. Okay, but, so the idea, he's like, we, because I, like, they were, the idea that they started spending the money, I was like, okay, and I knew about the IOUs, again, remembering it. But I was like, how are they possibly – you're spending way more than they you They spent a ever. million dollars of cash in a week. <laughs> yeah. In a week. And they yeah. just blew through it. <laughs> Not even a full week because, like, they're there for, like, what, two or three days? Yeah. And they didn't discover the money until that end That's part. That's true. So, you know what's so interesting because – and I, I hate to bring this up, but in Blank Check, he blows through a million dollars in a week, too. And, like, what was it that made us go, like, you know what? A million's not that much money, guys. Yeah. And, like, I, I, that really is when I kind of realized, like, wow, I didn't know it was possible to spend a million dollars in a week. Like, Well, I mean, if you spend it the way they did. And, like, I will say, like, they're constantly tipping the service. Yeah, they're giving out piles, piles, like, piles of thousands yeah. of dollars <laughs> at a time for tips. Um, um, but in all fairness, I mean, like I said, they're in Aspen. It's a place where the bear flows like wine <laughs> and beautiful women instinctively flock like the salmon of Capistrano. <laughs> Guys. I, um, I'm just wrapping up the good for me because I need to get into the bad. I feel like neither of you have any, but I'm getting there. But I have a few things. Okay, cool. Um, is... 
the last line was like, what if you shot me in the head? Like, yeah, what if you shot me in the head? Like, that was a risk we were willing to take. Yeah. I was like, Again. The police did not value their lives. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Um, one thing I did want to say, and it's not really a good or bad, um, I think I was just kind of like, um, I thought it was interesting. Uh, when Mary's watching the news while, like, I think she's waiting for Jeff Daniels to get there, they have a bit with the Menendez brothers on the yeah. TV. Um, I just found this really interesting because in Cable Guy, which was Jim Carrey's, like, follow-up film yeah. nearly um ben stiller plays like a version of the menendez brothers in that movie too and i just thought it was really funny that in both of these movies like they were somehow i mean represented. what was crazy is at the time the menendez brothers was like the biggest thing like the idea that you know two rich kids with everything would even attempt to kill their parents and like the mystery behind it that was like what this is insane this is before oj so like that was that was their oj and then oj yeah. just topped it or was like all right well this is what we use as a, a measuring stick moving forward one cool one they have like a few pop culture references that princess die and um, yeah. charles and also uh uh jeff daniels and uh lauren holly are in her kitchen and they're watching which at the time was like a it was a news show, A Current Affair with Connie Chung. Ah. And they're watching it, and it has that the theme to the show, which is like, boom. Yeah. <laughs> and they're talking about, they're profiling the little boy who got the bird given to him. And she's like, <laughs> how could someone do such a thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Jim Carrey knocks on the door. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Again, the, that, that brings me to the bad, which is like, all right, so one of the things that I have in the bad was the animal cruelty. It's like animal cruelty in this. It's not like it's the end all be all, but um the fact that like he just breaks the bird's neck in the first place, I was like, dude, like I don't I don't feel like that was necessary and I really don't feel like that would fly now. And then additionally the fact that they they just like they kill birds almost like with like no remorse and it's just something that happens Dude, I feel like nowadays people, people would lose their shit over just the dogs like being jostled around the back of the truck yeah, the, like, again like yeah. I, I, I was watching this and I was like I don't the dogs are okay so it's fine but I feel like for someone who's an animal lover like they just do not yeah take they, they say he's an animal lover yeah well they love animals but they're not they don't know how to take care of them. that and again and it's like and i think even if that was the case like i think for me the most forgivable one is when they accidentally accidentally kill one of the endangered birds it, the owls, it's, yeah cuz a like they do it and they don't even notice like, yeah. like they just turn around and like blissful ignorance with all of it really but it was the setup a punchline too because uh Right before that scene where they uncork the bottle and it shoots across the room, like, of course, yeah. it shoots like a hundred yards across the room and also kills an owl. Um, they go, nice set of hooters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's also that thing of like, we killed one of their birds, so they killed one of ours. Yeah, again, yeah. yeah. And I think for me, I think what it is, is like, that's, I said like, it's even more forgivable because they allude to the death of the the bird um, at the banquet, yeah. but they show the death of the bird and, like, the cracking of the neck and, like, everything in the beginning, and then they even show the dead bird, and I was yeah. like, it, they could have just, like, like, just filming it from this point and showing the blind kid 
petting something would have been fine for me. I just like it was well, to your point, uh, like like we discussed, <laughs> like we found out, there's a lot of darkness in the movie with the near rape scene, yep. with the murder scene, with <laughs> with uh, like uh, like they they set a fire at a gas station. Like sure. there's there's just a bunch of little things where it's just like wow, like. No one is stopping them from doing any of this. I would hate for them to have a child in this mix. Like, I, this would turn it into such a like a scary like. Oh my god! Like my, I'm I'm on the edge of my seat. Someone take that baby away. I would argue that women would find this very scary because first of all, it starts off with like your regular Uber driver horror story, which is just that the Uber driver won't stop talking to you. And he's <laughs> like, can I have a hug? And it's like smelling it. We've gone through a lot. But. Yeah, and it's just like, I just, I kept looking at it through her eyes being like, oh, this woman is just like trying to distance herself from it. She's like, thank you. You know, I'll make good conversation. When he hugs her, she's like, fine. You know, it's like, like things like can that. Can I make an argument that the two of them are playing like an exaggerated version of a man? Like when it comes to things like that, like the way they approach women are so like punchliney and so like, you know, um, uh, you're from Austria, huh? Good night, mate. Like, it's so, like <laughs> over the top that I wonder if it's a parody. No, I feel like it is, but I'm just, that doesn't negate the fact that if you are a female, the yeah, idea yeah, yeah. that someone came across country like they even I will say they even pointed out where she's he's he says something along the lines of she's gonna think I'm a creep coming all this way and it's like yeah dude like I can't think I can't think of it if right now someone knocked on your door and they're like hey you and I met (laughs) while you were in Florida you left something I traveled all this way to see you yeah your first thought would not be thank you it'd be like oh my god this person came to kill me (laughs) not if it was a million dollars that they were giving you back yeah they didn't didn't know it was money at the time and that's I think that's like the money factor is always really important. She even she even goes with him because he says, you left your suitcase. He doesn't say your money because, again, at the yeah. time. You left your bag at the airport. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what I'm just saying. It's just like it's – yeah, that's just where I'm at. Very, like, very, I looked at it from a female's point of view. It is a bit rapey of him because he purposefully left it at the hotel so that he could bait her back to uh, his yeah. room. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what hotel room. Like, like, that's what I'm saying. I was looking at it, dude, and I was like, this is where I was like, oh, my God. Well, he even says to – terrifying if you are – not a man. <laughs> he even says to Harry that, and it's the same thing that fucking Burn Notice says to Hitch when we were talking yeah. about that, which was, I, I had that special feeling where I do anything to boner. Yeah. And it was just like, ew. Like, yeah. That, yeah. like that moment, it's like it stopped being about, I want someone so I can feel like I have something to, I just want to fuck this girl. Yeah. And that's why I was like, I was really disappointed when they threw that line in there because it completely negates the reason why we were so supportive of these two doing this. Yeah, is he a lovable idiot or is he a rapist? Kirby, yeah. <laughs> well, I think, well, I think it's one of those things where I was like looking at it, I looked at it as, okay, these men are emulating masculinity in the 90s. The whole idea of, you're, they're not gonna, he's not going to say, and I felt like uh, this is like the love of my life and we are going to be together type thing. He's going to say to his boy to his friend yeah I just felt like I needed a boner like that's that's their way of communicating I felt like we had a connection and it's stupid and it's outdated now but it's like I forgive it for saying that but you're right it's like it is it did take away from the sincerity of let's just go and if we 
if we can meet her along the way and return this, that's great. One of the things I had on my bad was that there was a few times in the movie where Jim Carrey turned into what I call faces. Yes. And like there's and what I mean by that is that if you watch a Jim Carrey movie from the early nineties, there's just there's always a point in the movie where he just kind of turned into a series of faces and sounds. Yes. In this movie it was the dream sequence. But like in Liar Liar he beats himself up and mm-hmm. you know Ace Ventura's kind of like a whole movie. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So like uh, the mask essentially is all faces. So like there's times where it's almost like a, a singer that does a lot of runs and on American Idol they're like, you need to control your voice. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, there's times where Jim Carrey's performance feels a little like that and it's not all the time but when it happens it's just one of those things you're just like alright we, we get it like and so like I, I think that you obviously see more of the bad in that in like his later films like The Grinch or like that weird Penguin movie he did but like in this movie there's still enough heart that he gives his performance that you're willing to overlook it. at least I feel that way but it was one of the things I, I marked as a bad right, can you, what did you have you said you had some bad so like uh, well, I'm a little bit conservative when it comes to nudity in movies. I okay. think it's rarely it rarely pushes the narrative arc forward. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that in movies there should only be nudity if it's absolutely essential to telling the story. Like without the nudity, the part of the story is lost. Mm-hmm. One one thing that comes to mind is dark, but in Schindler's List, there are these scenes of um, people in yeah, gas chambers, but that's like they that there's a realism that there. was yeah. real, sure. Um, and it would be fake if they showed them going into these gas chambers clothed. Yeah, that was yeah, not part of it. Um, and in this movie, there's just one part in his dream sequence where he's hugging Mary and he lifts up, up the back skirt. of her skirt yeah. in kind of a creepy way, and she's not wearing any underwear, and he's like, "Oh yes," and I was like, the whole sequence would have been fine. Yeah. Completely fine without that one clip. Sure. Yeah. Didn't need it. Honestly, like, I'm, I'm with you because I watched that and I was like, even, like, this isn't great, but I was like, I would have settled for him groping her. You know, like, that way. It was just like, like, I feel like hand up the skirt would have been fine for me, but the fact that they lifted it up for yeah. the audience to see, it was like a, why is that necessary? And like, I, I, oh, I was just going to say, I, if, I think this kind of goes back to my central question, which I tend to ask when I watch movies like this, which is, who is this movie for? Because there are times times where it feels like it's for like college kids like adults who just have that silly sense of humor but there's other times where it really feels like it's playing for children but when you throw in things like that sequence with mary when you throw in like some of these other darker elements it's like well i i'm not really sure this was a pg-13 movie right yeah so like if it were hard r i feel like that's an appropriate audience for for some of these jokes so i don't i don't know i i don't i rape is funny is Question it? mark? Is, is this it? movie? It seems See, like I don't know because I, not I don't know. No. Rape is just <laughs> never funny to me. Yeah. Like every single time, I just think of it as. And then also, there's the whole thing about again when it turns out that Seabass is gay. There's that whole gay predator storyline. Yeah, where like gay individuals are always trying to force straight men to have sex with them. So that no, I'm not saying that that's what I got from this. I'm just saying like whenever that happens, sure, sure. it's always a moment where you're like, well, that doesn't help the storyline. I did not immediately go, oh, they are specifically linking Seabass to, you know, because first of all, it very much says, like, be here at this time if you want manly loving. Yeah. So it's kind of like by being there, you are consenting to to it. But but his behavior is not acceptable in that scene by any means. However, 
in the context of it, it is retribution. Very much. Because yeah. Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels screwed him over at the restaurant by putting a bunch of food on their tab yeah. and escaping. Sure. Again, and also, by the way, I meant to note that. I thought the plan with Seabass was genius. Yeah. I thought, like, it's, and also, I love, like, not only is it a smart plan, but the idea that Jim Carrey goes, I saw it in a movie. It didn't work out. How did the movie work out? He goes, oh, they caught up later and said it's dope. And like, just like, that's a good one. <laughs> like, that to me, I was like, all right, see, this is humor that I can get behind. Yeah. Um, and then with Seabass, as you said, it's very much like a, I feel like making it Seabass was definitely a callback that like I just did not see coming. Yeah. And, and it brought humor in it. And it didn't get far into the sexual assault for me to be offended by it. No. Um, uh, one thing I will say was that there was a few things in this movie that felt a little lazy. Like I said, like, the the tuxedos that they wear, it reminded me a lot of that scene in Big with Tom Hanks. Um, the tongue freezing on the thing, obviously a Christmas story. Like, it's a, the first thing that pops up in my head when I see someone freezing their tongue on the pole. Um, there was just a few things like that where I was just like, oh, this isn't the first time I've seen this. And I, I, I maybe would have liked those jokes to be a little bit more original. See, for me, I didn't even mind like the there like there are like moments where you have to be like okay how's his tongue still on the pole if he's sitting over here like did they just take the entire bench and like move it yeah. so he gets in the crowd yeah. like there's like things like that that didn't make sense but for me the humor that i was bothered with as i said i don't like bathroom humor if it's not like i feel like sometimes well done, bathroom yeah. humor can just be overdone it's just like low hanging fruit like so the cop in the beer it's just like i felt like that gag, it's like, mm, and then, oh, by the way, he completely just lets them go, and it's just like, a, okay, uh, remove any belief. <laughs> like, any also, too, just, just just as a person of color, to get pulled over by a cop while holding a bunch of beer bottles is yes. a lot scarier of a situation. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like, I looked at it, and I was like, okay, well, you know, yeah. there are other things that I have problems with, so I'm not going to harp on this, but yeah, I also yeah. feel like it was just lazy, a lazy thing to do. And then the laxative scene again it's just like I knew for the moment that we brought out the laxatives it was just like it's eh. retribution like it does yeah. like <laughs> work but but I had seen, I had seen lots of vomiting and pooping in movies before work. but I've never laughed harder <laughs> at a pooping or diarrhea scene than the one and well, they just I, do it all the way they go 100% yeah and I will say I was watching an interview with uh, Jeff Daniels and both Jeff Daniels and Jim Carrey have so much love for this movie and like they respect it so much they, wore, they fought to get the sequel made um, but the reason why Jeff Daniels was cast was because he was an actor and not a comedian yeah. and Jim Carrey was like I want to work with someone who is going to approach this like an actor would and so they're they're like the heart that Jeff Daniels gives his performance he's able to go from this goofball lovable person to this person you're like slapping your knees laughing at at the way he's taking a shit yeah. it's like I get it taking a shit is not highbrow comedy but Jeff Daniels, classically trained actor, doing it to the extreme, I, I'm there's like... There's a respect there? There's a little bit of a respect there because when something shouldn't work, but it's somehow pulled off, I'm like, wow, it took talented people to make that work. And then, Kenny, you said something which I didn't, which is that it was, you know, it's a callback. It's kind of like paying your dues because of the fact that, you know, he did still marry in this particular way. I didn't look at it through that way. And again, it's like, all right, if that's the case, if this is his penance to pay, so to speak, I, okay. You know, it's completely different. That does put it in a different light because just I just immediately am turned off by bathroom humor and like almost like shut it out of my mind, uh, especially when it goes on that long. 
But I, I, I think I, I definitely. I think it was also trying to be one of those jokes that like, hey, you're laughing, then it stops being funny, but it keeps going on, so you start laughing again. I think that's what the attempt was in the length of that joke. Yeah, um, and I feel like it was probably successful at the time. In, in that, the only thing, the only other bad that I have um, is that violence seems to be the solution to most problems. Yeah, like almost all of the problems are solved by violence and. Like, at least by other characters. Like, I will say, like, the idea that Lloyd and Harry Trixie Bass in order to, like, you know, like, that's their passive way of getting one over. I think that's amazing. The idea that they, like, they basically sacrifice themselves and they're just like, hey, um, shoot me. No, shoot me. (laughs) You know, like, that whole thing is, like, how they get out of that solution. And then, like, again, he shoots it, uh, Harry, with the, um, the vest, you know, the bulletproof vest. Like, all of that is... Was there a second when you saw that when you were like, oh, they just killed Jeff Daniels? No, not yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah. Again, because I, mean, I had seen dead. it, and then also, I, I, I knew the twist. I knew that Beth was a uh, Agent. Yeah. Agent. So, like, watching it again, I, I watched it with that idea. Oh, I said it was my last one. The idea... Beth is credited as athletic beauty in this movie. Not as Beth Jordan. Oh, really? And that made me angry. What? That's like the one. Yeah, the one we're giving extra. Or a I know, extra. and that's she's the issue. Character. It's just athletic beauty is how she's credited, and you're like, really? What? <laughs> you gave her a name. It says Beth Jordan. And she's not. <laughs> she's not an. She's a cop. Maybe, maybe, it. maybe it was a personal. Like for example, um, if you ever watched Tootsie, uh, Bill Murray is credited as uh, like an un. Uh, titled role because he thought it was funny uh, like like okay. maybe she just was like you know what i don't throw my name in there i don't know i i, I don't know what it could be but interesting I yeah would that would know the context behind that choice. yeah that was like another thing where i was like why is the one person yeah, of color yeah, yeah. with a speaking role just credited as her beauty <laughs> and not the name that you gave her uh, one, so. one of the I, I guess before we wrap up uh, just the bad um, one of the things I said was that there seems to be inconsistencies in how dumb they are yeah because at one point in time he can't read but then yeah, he like, reads Samsonite and he reads the, the, the moon, moon landing, landing but he couldn't read Mary's he didn't know the word stop yeah <laughs> so like things like that where I was just like oh okay like yeah, true. I wish this was a little bit more consistent throughout because that's those moments where I'm like oh well he can read he just didn't want to read or couldn't I don't know yeah. things like that do you um, have anything else or bad or, or just anything know? that like when you watched it like recently that you just thought like oh that wasn't what I thought or as good as I thought it was as a kid I mean it's still a perfect movie <laughs> <laughs> okay then that leads us to the makeover uh, I would would you would you change anything because again this is I I, I mean, mean, you called it a perfect movie. Yeah, I mean. it, it, it is my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there are little things that I would nitpick about it, um, but I don't think it worked well as the remake that they did. No. Um, what what kind of remake do you think would make? Like, what can this movie do? Like, if they did a sequel that was successful, what would that movie have been? I was thinking about this, and I the best example I can think of is. Home Alone and Home Alone 2, mm-hmm. where Home Alone 2 is just as good, in my opinion, as the first one. Well, we definitely did invite you on here to discuss that, because I have some deep thoughts about that. <laughs> <laughs> too, but let's uh, go on. And the reason why I think it worked is because they didn't change that much about it. It's yeah. pretty much the same premise. Yeah. yeah. 
and they have a completely different premise for the most recent Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. yeah. And so I and also the cinematography is too slick. Yes. In in the first one, it's very simple. The framing is very simple, yeah. and obviously for comedy, it's just like plain. Yeah. Framing and um, and and then in the new one is a little bit too. I think it's a little too sophisticated. I also think in the new one because I don't know if you saw Dumb and Dumber too. I found it to be painfully unfunny. Um, was that it felt as if the characters had like it felt like Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels had seen the original a bunch and they were like excited to act like those characters again versus becoming those characters again. Um I didn't feel that there was that genuine connection. What I would say for uh to to Kenny's point about just a different situation um with the same premise is that I would have loved if this movie picked up a little sooner like if a sequel mm-hmm. picked up a little sooner after the original. And it is that thing I think that nihilism plays a huge part in this movie. Mm -hmm. I think the idea that none of this really matters, it's all kind of dumb, and we're just walking through life. These characters start on the road, they end on the road. You're just kind of walking through, and dumb things happen, and sometimes it just means nothing. And, like, I feel that having them go through, like, these extreme situations where maybe there's a bank heist, maybe there's some kind of, like, terrorist threat, something that's, like, a huge thing that they just happen to just walk into, and at the end of it, maybe it meant something, Maybe it didn't, but, like, we were so dumb that we didn't even realize what we were a part of. Like, that is something that, like, in this new movie, they're, like, looking for, like, a kidney for Harry who from a daughter that he had or something. It's just, it's not these these characters that are walking into the, this, like I said, Mr. Magooing it. Walking into these situations, fucking things up, and then walking away not knowing any otherwise that's literally my my note was focus on the dumb luck aspect of it i think that there's so much humor in the idea of them you know like what signified this was the scene when they and the murder the henchman dude they literally are playing a joke on him they have no idea about his ulcer we know about his ulcer and so the idea that they've packed so many peppers onto this and he takes a bite and they are just like laughing yeah. they're like ha ah, we got you it's and hilarious like, they like point, Jim Carrey pointing a laugh yeah, at him yeah, yeah. always makes me laugh <laughs> <laughs> so that idea to me was like Beautiful, because I was like, "Oh, they live. They're so innocently in this moment." And to your and point, the diner scene too. Like what they pull on Seabass, That's br- I want to see more of shit like that where they're too dumb to realize that that was a really smart idea. Exactly. Yeah. Like all of those things to me are great, and I want to see that. I want to see them Forrest Gump their way, but like in like Forrest Gump was like serious. I want them to like comedically Mr. Magoo, as you had put it, and I also or feel Inspector like... Inspector Gadget, any of these characters that are just like, they get through... Also, another one that I thought was really good, I was like, let's focus... This movie does a really good job at focusing on their friendship, yeah. but it's like, let's let's keep more of that. So, like, yeah. Super Bad is one that I thought. It was, like, two friends on a mission. You know, it's like there's this whole thing. They each kind of get their little happy ending towards the end. But, like, their friendship was, like, the bond of it. And that's what made the story go throughout. And, you know, like, old truths are brought up and, and things like that. I just always feel like that is where the comedy or that's where the love of this movie comes from. Yeah. There I think has, of even like planes, trains and automobiles. Oh yeah. It's the relationship that those characters develop in the end that you care about. Everything else is just, 
Well, there has to be something that they want. Like, yes. like in this movie, they wanted love and they wanted fortune. Like, they started broke and then they end the movie. Like, at, at one point, they have a million dollars and there's hot. Like, they're going on dates with girls and like it's almost as if they have everything they ever wanted. But then they realize, or maybe re-realize that they're not a great fit for it, and it doesn't work out. Like maybe like something with animals, something that has to do with like something they've stated that they love, they have yeah. a passion for, you know. Um, and I'm not talking about like Deuce Bigelow in Europe. Like I don't want to see them like just like, hey, we're just going to have them do this in a different location. I really want some kind of complicated thing that they can simplify through their understanding. Like yeah, like they try to start the worm business and like trying to get these worms is just like a whole. You know, it's like yeah, their end goal is just to do this, but like they get into hijinks and there's like you know I don't know a health inspector or something where like they're just blowing shit up constantly, but in the end they get their worm farm and, and, and like, I think. It- it is helpful that like the bad guys were like so like they, we walked in in like the middle of like a ransom drop like we walked in in the middle of another movie that was happening yes and I think that if there was something like that where you take like hey let's take speed but like <laughs> midway through we're gonna have these guys show up and that's where we're gonna start the movie it's like yeah. oh that's okay that's interesting like yeah you know so you know, something like, how, like that like it's, it's the version of Jay and Silent Bob where yes. it's kind of like Jay and Silent Bob will show up in a movie and you're like oh that's weird and like, they're side characters but it's just like yeah what if we like followed them and like everything that they were doing and this secondary movie was happening in the background that they happened to be pivotal for. Um, Okay. Uh, Do you have anything else you want to say about the movie? Nope. All right. (laughs) right, The last thing we ask, I think I already know this, but uh, we usually ask our guests, is this movie more good than it is bad? Yes, it is definitely more good than it is bad. And and I I know Kenny walked in saying that this was his favorite movie. It's not my favorite movie. It's not even my favorite Jim Carrey or Jeff Daniels. Or maybe my favorite Jeff Daniels movie. But I, what I will say is that I had to work really hard to think of things that I wanted to talk about for this podcast. Because at a certain point, I was just enjoying the movie. Like, I stopped taking notes. I was just watching it. And I truly, truly think that the performances that both Jim and Jeff give in this elevate this movie to be something that's worth remembering. And I think if you were to replace these two actors with other two actors at the time, if, imagine this movie with like Dana Carvey and John Lovitz. Like it's yeah. not something I want to see. No, you know? You're shaking your head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just not as interesting. So I, I really have to give this movie a lot of credit and I think it's, it's absolutely more good than bad. Uh, I'm going to just call it a draw because I feel yeah. like there, I, I went, and for me that's huge. Cause I went from like, not even wanting to watch this movie be like yes for the podcast I'll do it and walking away being like there's so much more here than I think I gave it credit for and there's a lot more humor here than even like I can like be like oh I can see why certain people would like it it's like no I feel like this movie actually was done in a lot of really good ways it's just it's also 90s Jim Carrey comedy and that was like Especially like Ace Ventura was never my thing, yeah. so it's like I can still respect it. But like I'll, I, I'm I do going wonder, to be like, you know what? It's equally, in my opinion, it's equally good and equally bad. I do wonder how much of it is nostalgia because I have to say I was watching it with my girlfriend who had never seen the movie, and she seemed fairly disinterested throughout. So yeah. I do wonder how much of this is just like. I'm remembering how funny this was when I was 12 watching it versus how funny it is as a 30 year old watching it now and just being like, oh, is this funny for the 
as it is now. That makes sense. My wife doesn't like it either. I was <laughs> with her, and the whole time I was like ribbing her, like, I don't get it. So I do wonder, like, if there's a gender bias to this movie as well. Like, do women like women? If you're listening to this, do you like Dumb and Dumber? Like, is this a movie you even like? Actually, I will say that um, one of our guests who will be coming out, who I spoke with earlier today, she was like, Dumb and Dumber is her top three. Really? She's okay. Like, it's probably my. Third and this is a wife. female. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brothers. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, we'll, we'll have to ask her yeah. when she goes. But yeah, yeah. She specifically, we were talking about it. I said we were doing Dumb and Dumber. She was like, I would say that's like my third favorite movie. Yeah. Uh, or comedy, at least. So, yeah, it will be really good. All right. So, uh, Kenny, do you have anything that you want to plug or like how can people find you? Yeah, sure. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Kenny Praywatt. And I perform fourth Fridays at Acme Theater North Hollywood with Sketch Team Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, if you're into knockoff Mary Kate and Ashley movies, <gasps> <laughs> you don't understand. You found your demographic. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we are totally going to be doing uh, It Takes Two in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah so. because okay. we, yeah, right, right. but like, like, we both, <laughs> you heard the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in, I have a principal role in not a Mary Kate and Ashley movie. A very similar to Mary Kate and Ashley movie called Crowning Jewels about some twin sisters who oh go God. on a road trip to a beauty pageant. Oh my gosh! And that I great. play the henchman. Oh my god! And it is streaming on everyone's favorite service, Voodoo, <laughs> <laughs> provided by Walmart. We will definitely check it out. I honestly, that awesome. you also gave me a great idea. I would love a not another Mary Kate and Ashley movie. Like, I yeah. feel like that's a genre, yeah, but I feel like it has its, I feel like there is an audience out there for just that, like, just like not another teen movie, it's just like not another Mary-Kate and Ashley movie. Was that not Parent Trap? <laughs> like, Mary-Kate and Ashley movies with a $300,000 budget. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, let's get that Avengers budget to Mary-Kate and Ashley and see what we can cook up. Okay. Um, so thank you guys for listening to another episode of Movie Makeover. Remember, you can find us on all of the places, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and Stitcher. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. You can find me on Instagram at me at dot me. And if you guys have thoughts on how to make if you have any possible thoughts on how to make Dumb and Dumber better, I don't think it's possible, but please share it with us at Movie Makeover uh, on Gmail, uh, Gmail, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also email us at MovieMakeoverPod at gmail.com. All right. Thank you guys so much. As always, I'm Siege. And I'm TC. Makeover and out. Snaps tonight. I was way off. Big gulps, huh? Yeah, big gulps. All right. <laughs>